John, whatever the circumstances, whomever you would have told me they were going to play, however easy the schedule could have been uh, constructed, I still couldn't have envisioned seven and one with all fourth quarter victories with six straight fourth quarter victories. It's like we can keep on characterizing the kind of victories they've had and we keep explaining them. But the reality is they have the second best record in the NFL. That is a great thing, no matter the circumstances. Absolutely. It it has gotten to the point, Jim, where it's harder and harder every week to explain away the wins. Um, I, it's true that when you look at the quality of the opponent that they have faced during this run, it hasn't been incredibly high level. And we will still wait to see what happens in the next couple of weeks as they start to step up in the weight class. But the way that they are playing, the way that they seem to be getting better most you know from week to week here and most importantly how a quarterback who has long been viewed as someone you cannot rely on in adverse situations or in kind of come from behind situations now is doing it every single week and I think that when you start to get that kind of faith in the quarterback that this team clearly has right now, that that changes things. That that makes the totality of their accomplishments so far, I think, more impressive. And so they have really positioned themselves in a an incredible way here right now and are setting things up where even if they do lose a game or two here against some of the better teams, they're still in great shape. And so it's been they have really put their work in. They have done everything you could possibly ask them to do at this point, And they're sitting pretty right now. Let's talk about the quarterback. Let's also talk about the schedule here on the Viking Update show. He's John Krasinski from The Athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from The Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our producer. Thank you for listening. Best way to listen, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can also go to talknorth.com and see all of our sports shows, all of our outdoor shows, our uh, our variety shows, and uh, listen to whatever you like. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod, see the shows as they are released, and see information on our live shows. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, StarBank, Minnesota State Lottery, Viking Scratch-Off Game Edition, and Grain Belt Camo Pack. So let's, let's start with the schedule. Uh, we talk about Cousins every week. We'll continue to do so. But I think what's really interesting right now is the schedule. Vikings have had a remarkably easy schedule. They've either played bad teams or backup quarterbacks or both, and they are 7-1. and one. Now, at Buffalo on Sunday, home against Dallas, home in a short week against New England, then home against the Jets, with the Jets now looking like one of the better teams in the NFL coming off a of victory over Buffalo. Uh, that is a really interesting stretch. They are in such good shape that, they don't need to thrive during that stretch. They just need to survive that stretch because after that, it's at Detroit, Indianapolis, Giants, Green Bay, Chicago. We don't know how, how those teams are going to look at the time they play them, who's going to be healthy, whatever else, but that doesn't exactly scare you. This next four-game stretch, uh, they have the luxury of getting to measure themselves against some really interesting teams without necessarily having to win each or even many of those games. Right. And I I do think that it is important, Jim, for them to play well 
in those games, whether they win or they lose, you're still kind of waiting to see this team cross that final threshold. I mean, the one real test that they had this season was against Philadelphia and they lost and they lost it convincingly. So I do think that there's still definitely a segment of the population, which understandably is waiting for Kirk Cousins to really get, give this kind of performance against a really good team. And so um, I, I, yeah, I don't think that they, they certainly do not have to win just given the way that they're positioned, but you would just like them to say, to see them be in the dogfight and really duke it out with a couple of these good teams. And if you end up going one and two or two and one or something like that in this next three, um, and it, that's, that's a great sign, but to go, it, you just don't want to see them go Owen three and really kind of look like, uh, the the step up in competition was too much for them or that they were not ready for that. So uh, that's what I want to see. But yes, they are. They have a stranglehold on the NFC North. Uh, the, they And I think that the way that they are playing these games, they now have a belief in themselves that they're never out of a game. And, and that kind of momentum and that kind of, you know, just vibes in, in a locker room really mean a lot for an NFL team. We have talked about it kind of a lot on this show, but when you have a team that is bought in mentally and that is all going in the same direction, man, that makes a big difference because this team was not on the, on the same page the last couple of years. And so to see it come together, there just is a collective kind of uh, lightness in that, in that locker room that I think is serving them well right now. So Cousins has been good enough. He's been very good in fourth quarters. I guess the biggest question about Cousins is, and it's the it's really the question that has fairly been applied to him ever since he became a starter in Washington a long time ago now. He, there's no doubt he can put up good numbers. There's no doubt he can play well. There's no doubt he can win games. Do you trust him? Do you trust him to elevate this franchise? Uh, is he doing that right now? And could you see big things on the horizon because of that? Yeah, I think that here's the here's the the way that I'm looking at the Kirk Cousins situation right now. He is playing very well. Um, that does not mean that any sort of criticism or skepticism about him in the past was not warranted. It was. And it and I think until you know he wins some big time games, until he goes deep into the playoffs, there still will be a good segment of the Vikings fans and NFL fans in general who do not believe that Kirk Cousins is showing the uh the you know it, it, it is the guy. And and that's again okay. He's got to be able to show that. But what I will say about what we are seeing from him right now is we're seeing uh, a, a blossoming, a, you know, a, a player taking his game to another level than it had been. And last you know, yesterday against Washington, uh, that defense was really nasty and was in his face and really made things hard on him. And though that's the kind of recipe that forever has made it that Kirk Cousins was just gonna be terrible all game and that the Vikings offense was going to do nothing but Cousins hung in there he took some big hits he made some unbelievable throws to Adam Thielen the touchdown to Dalvin Cook was incredible 
Um, and and I thought that for the most part, through the first couple of quarters of that game, while the offense was struggling, I thought that um, less of it was on Cousins because Justin Jefferson just dropped some uh, catches that he normally makes and contested ones. They w- they would have been tough catches, one in the end zone, um, one down the field uh, that would have moved the chains, and, and they just went through his hands, and, and he couldn't haul them in. And and the throws were on the money. It just just they couldn't complete the catch. And so then in the fourth quarter, that's when uh, once again, as we've seen a bunch this season, Cousins is coming through with big throws in big situations and capitalizing on opponent mistakes. And he is now becoming at least this season a player that you have to worry about in the fourth quarter that you cannot make mistakes against in the fourth quarter or else he will get you. And that has not been what we have seen from Kirk Cousins in the past. And so I think he deserves credit for that. Clearly, when you see sort of the 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 pictures after the game of him shirtless in the plane and wearing the chains and stuff, like all of this success that he's having is now all of a sudden garnering garnering him, I think, more support and belief within the team than he's ever had and that he's ever deserved, frankly. And so um, I think you're seeing a, a different Kirk Cousins so far right now. We'll see how that carries over when they play Buffalo, when they play Dallas, when they play New England. But through the first eight games of the season, we have seen uh, a, just a, a, a change in the way that Cousins is going about his business and is overcoming things that he used that he could not overcome before. And I think that's that's just a huge development for where the Vikings are at and their chances to turn a good start into a good finish. We'll talk about TJ Hawkinson and the offense here in a second. I want to do a little more in Cousins. I, I wrote about him the last week, so I talked to a bunch of his teammates, and what they kept on saying is he's always been this guy. He's always been this way behind the scenes. He's always been funny. He's always been loose. And I buy it to a certain extent, but I don't really buy it uh, because we're seeing him do things he hasn't done before. We're seeing him relaxed in a way he hasn't been relaxed before. I think uh, I just think that, he likes working with Kevin O'Connell a lot, and I don't think he and Zimmer ever hit it off. Uh, they had times where they were, they worked fine as co-workers, but they were never close. They were never really on the same page. Zimmer never really wanted him. Zimmer really never wanted to base his offense around uh, Cousins. And now what you're seeing is you know, O'Connell has brought a different vibe. But it's a different relationship. Cousins seems very relaxed. Uh, you know, I even pointed out that he, like, when – Cousins first came to town. He went to one of those Dunkers meetings, and all he did was kind of talk about his religion. He was there recently, and he was cracking jokes and talking about eating butter burgers as a reward for winning games. And it, to me, he's a completely different guy, whether they wanted to admit it or not. Yeah, he is absolutely. Um, and I do think that a lot of that has to do with the relationship with his head coach. When you could tell that. They were that Zimmer and Cousins were just always at odds. And I think that there's a very real possibility uh, or even a likelihood that Cousins was to blame for some of that, uh, the way that he went about things. And and no matter, you know, who was 70 percent to blame or 30 or 60, 40 or whatever it was, it was a relationship that was dysfunctional. And Kirk Cousins carried himself like a player who was constantly battling his head coach and the, and was constantly at odds with the leader of the team. And I think that trickled down 
to the tentativeness in his play when things were going bad. When things went poorly, Mike Zimmer got very tight. Um, And so I think Kirk Cousins, by extension, got tight. And this right now, with with the way things are going, Kirk Cousins feels empowered by Kevin O'Connell. He feels like they are on the same page, that they are having real communication, that it's it's a dialogue that goes on and that there is a belief in him from the head coach that he did not have during his previous seasons in Minnesota. And I think that's important for a player like Cousins. He is not this alpha male, you know, quarterback leader who, you know, he's not Brett Favre who can come in and say to Brad Childress, now we're not doing that. Uh, I'm going to do things my way and I believe in it and I'm going to get everyone else to believe in me. That's just not how Kirk Cousins has ever rolled. And, And so now to be on a team with a head coach who believes in him, who is giving him authority in the offense, who is support being supportive of him. I think that is helping cousins to relax and what he need has always needed to do is relax a little bit. He's always been too uptight and you can feed off of that media feeds off of it. Teammates feed off of it. Fans feed off of it. And you could just tell that there was so much tension and, uh, in Kirk Cousins' shoulders, and now he's playing a lot looser. Um, he's playing a lot more confidently, and I think that at least gives him a chance going forward to sort of overcome some of the other demons that have been in his career in terms of primetime games or in terms of of playoff games and things like that. Again, it doesn't guarantee it. None of that. None of that. Uh, none of this is is just saying we can't say for sure that this is a new Kirk Cousins and it's going to be different from here on out, but he is laying the foundation for being better equipped to handle those circumstances than he was before. I thought last, yeah, in Washington, that was a tough, tough game. The commander's defense it was legit and they were getting after him and they were making it difficult and they were putting him on the ground and they were covering the receivers and they were flying around and he still found a way that's a step forward for Kirk Cousins and a step forward for the Vikings in general. I think it's also a big thing that he can go to the sideline. He and O'Connell can have a really animated dis- discussion and it's not a big deal. You know, it's not, yeah. it, it, there, there aren't those layers of mistrust built up. It's just them having a conversation and you got to be able to do that on the sideline. I mean, it is, it, things have to happen very quickly and we will talk about their mid game lulls as well, because that has been a problem. We'll talk about Hawkinson and Hunter and everything else. Uh, I do want to thank our sponsors, starting with star bank. Big banks aren't the only ones with mobile apps and convenient financial services. I'd like to tell you about StarBank. StarBank is an independent community bank in Minnesota. They're family-owned and treat customer relationships as a top priority. You're not a customer number at StarBank, and they have no call center. Just banking how it should be, a throwback to the good days. Mobile app check, convenient services, you got it. Check out StarBank for yourself. For deposits and lending solutions, work with a local community bank that cares. StarBank.net, a member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Thanks also to Grain Belt and especially the Grain Belt Camo Pack. A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shots stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight-pointers and the 12-ouncers. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. 
Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. So since the last time we talked, they traded for TJ Hawkinson. Uh, and I don't think that, you know, they said they were in talks anyway. I don't think they give up what they gave up. If Irv Smith is healthy and they had some confidence in Irv Smith being a big part of the offense, uh, that wasn't the case. And now, to me, this is a big deal, not just because they replaced an injured player, but because, A, they got a guy who's better than the injured player. Uh, Hawkinson is a better player than Irv Smith until proven otherwise. And, B, I can't believe the deal they made. They moved down a little bit in two, with two draft picks, and they get a guy who was a top-10 draft pick, a highly productive uh, tight end who fits perfectly into their offense. I think this is a steal. It was a great, great deal by Kwesi. Um, Give him all the credit for that, absolutely, especially in the nuances of the deal, Jim, in terms of they didn't really give up any draft equity um, in terms of just the assets, but they did move down a little bit. And then if you look at where this team is headed and the, the record that they seem to be positioning themselves to finish with, coupled with where the Lions are going, um, really, when you look at kind of the getting a high in a, a high, highly ordered uh, pick from the Lions in one of the rounds versus a a, a lower slung pick from the Vikings in in, in the rounds, the, it, it's even more negligible the the difference in in draft capital that that they gave up. And yes, I think that uh, T.J. Hawkinson looks like a real, real player and a real contributor to what this offense can be. He came up really big in some big moments in his very first game with the commanders. I do think that uh, are against the commanders. And I do think that ultimately one of the elements of this deal that I wholeheartedly endorse is that you look at TJ Hawkinson and he was drafted very highly. And maybe the numbers don't exactly say this is Rob Gronkowski. This is justifies the high draft pick that the lions invested in him, but you always bet on the lions mishandling it some way, somehow, and that you can get more out of a lions player than the lions got out of him. And I think that's absolutely not only a possibility, but a very high likelihood of what will happen with TJ Hawkinson here with Kirk Cousins, with Kevin O'Connell, with Wes Phillips, with Dalvin Cook, with Adam Thielen, with Justin Jefferson. He's playing in a system with a stable team with real weapons um, that like he's rarely ever had, if ever in Detroit. And so I think that he can really be an important piece going forward for what this offense can do moving the chains, kind of taking some of the pressure off of the receivers to make make big plays, and uh, really a hat tip to, to Kwesi Adafo-Mensa for being aggressive, finding a deal that not only lands a really, really good player, but does it at a very minimal cost for them. It was a, a, a home run in my mind. No doubt about it. Uh, and we we don't know, and we won't know for a while, how their first draft will work out. We don't know what kind of player scene's going to be. Obviously the injury takes sets his timetable back. Booth hasn't really contributed yet. Uh, Ingram stepped right in the starting lineup. That was a big deal for a team that did need an upgraded offensive line, but we're not going to be able to really give them a, a fair grade for a while now. But the uh they decided 
to keep Cousins. I don't think they really had much choice, but they certainly mm-hmm. didn't uh, do anything crazy to get rid of Cousins and bring in their own person, which is the right decision. Uh, the Zadarius Smith deal was a major victory, and the, I think the Hawkinson move is a major victory. So, you know, overall, uh, our tentative early grade has got to be pretty good, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's done a really good job, and yeah, I, I did – Watching the way that he navigated the draft, I certainly had questions. Um, again, yeah, we'll see how the Alabama receiver con- ends up being for for the Lions um, when they traded for that, uh, when they traded out and let the Lions come up and take him. We'll see how the the safety from Notre Dame that Baltimore took, uh, rather, you know, instead of the Vikings, you know, taking uh, that guy there, Kyle Hamilton, I think is his name. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and instead, the Vikings moving down to grab scene who did not start in week one for them. Um, we'll see how that all pans out. But yeah, when you look at what the other moves that he has made and really the delicate process that he was clearly trying to do to satisfy the Will family who did not want to tear it down and completely rebuild. Um, who wanted to remain competitive. Kwesi has helped to do that in a way that is not as easy as it as he may be making it look. And again, like this is another um, instance of when you have success early in a regime, whether it's a coach, whether it's a, a lead executive, having that success starts to foster faith and belief with the people that you're working with. And I think that's been huge for Kevin O'Connell and getting players to buy in. I think this is going to be huge for Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and getting the rank and file within the Vikings to buy in and just say, okay, you know, this guy is totally new, totally different perspective, totally different background, but he is starting to make decisions and make moves that make a lot of sense and are helping this franchise. And that's going to help him lead this team in a way that, maybe a guy like Ryan Poles was struggling a little bit in Chicago or, or some other new executives that aren't off to the same uh, strong start. I think that this is a great thing for, for Kwesi in terms of the, the prospects of a long-term healthy organization under his watch. So Daniil Hunter did show up yesterday. It's kind of been a while mm-hmm. uh, and, and Zary Smith's made some plays also. Uh, I mean, it's not like everything's going to go their way, but man, if, if Hunter starts getting back some of that explosiveness that allows him to be a, a, dy- a dynamite pass rusher, then that defense could could be elevated seriously. Yeah, and, and that's kind of why my optimism is growing for what this team can eventually become, Jim, is that they are getting better week to week in different areas. And the defense is certainly one of them. They, you know, to see Daniel Hunter become more of the dominant force that we were used to seeing before all of his injuries, not only that, but also to do it on the road, outdoors on grass, which is historically where this defense that is generally built for speed and on the, you know, on the turf of us bank stadium or the Metrodome or whatever uh, to be able to have that success uh, in Washington for them to be able to continue to generate a pass rush in Miami outdoors on the grass. Like that's, that's important. Those are big things to see start to develop here. And it is also logical to think that, it may have taken Daniil Hunter some time 
to get his playing legs underneath him again and get used to playing out there um, and, and just being on the field and being a force. And so I don't um, begrudge or I don't, uh, I, I, I can't, I'm not going to discount the fact that he had a long road back to, to get back on the field and back playing. And so those first five or six games, I could see it being a case where he was trying to, to figure things out and just get back in the rhythm of the game and get his body used to it again. And so to see him getting better as the season goes on to see Harrison Smith starting to make big plays again, um, week after week that those are real. And to see Zadarius Smith continue to be a, a real force in the pass rush game. I mean, those are real, real things that the defense can build on. I thought a Caleb Evans was really good yesterday yeah. um, a, as well. And a, a, another young guy who's starting to, to find his way a little bit. And so like, not only are they still winning these games against teams that quote unquote should beat, but they are getting better week in and week out in the way that they are winning these games. And so that's why I think that this is more than just them playing a bad schedule right now and benefiting from that. One concern. Uh, they tend to be very good offensively early mm-hmm. and very good late when they need to be. There are always lulls in between. I do have a theory on that. I think that they, uh, I think they excel when they're running scripted plays early. I think they struggle once they get past the scripted phase and defenses start adapting. It takes them a while to adapt to the adaptations. I also think sometimes Cousins looks a little tentative in those times. And then I think when they know that they absolutely need to make plays, that's when Cousins cuts it loose and and the, the talent on that offense shines. Uh, that's my theory. What's your theory on the mid-game lulls? It, it's a good theory, Jim. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, I see a sort of – Jekyll and Hyde persona that goes, you know, be, from from you know the the first act to the middle act to the closing act, and um, when they come, usually generally when they come out early, they are aggressive. They're going after it. They're putting their foot on the gas and trying to really make something happen early. Then they do seem to settle into a not a malaise, but a, a more sort of convoluted approach in that it seems like whatever was working for them on the opening drive or or early in the game. Now they're trying, okay, we got Justin Jefferson going. Now let's get Delvin cook going. We got um, Adam Thielen going. Let's get the ball to Jefferson. We got, uh, we got to get the ball to Irv Smith or we got to get the ball to Hawkinson. Now It, it seems like there is a, a take turns sort of situation that develops um, in the middle of games, and that seems to sort of take the rhythm out of the offense a little bit. And then you get into the fourth quarter where there's a sense of urgency, and then it's like, hey, we just got to go with what works. Let's just uh, let's let's stop messing around, and let's stop you know being trying to be all inclusive and 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 get everyone feeling good and everyone getting touches, and let's just you know go for it. And that's when they resume their sort of dangerous stance, their, their ability to go down the field their you know, Kirk cousins is letting it rip and, and there's no sort of, um, 
you know, there's no hesitation, I would say. There's no, there's no questions about what they're going to do. They're just, they're just, they're just flying. And so I do think, you know, there is that little bit of element. Part of it too is these, these NFL games, they're built to be close. And that's, you know, there's not many, very, very many blowouts out there. So, so there's going to be periods of games where you're not hitting on all cylinders, but it does feel like they sort of try to, try to get everyone involved and maybe that sort of slows things down a little bit. And then once the fourth quarter comes and they're trailing or they need to, they need to get points, then it's like, all right, we're throwing all that out the window and we're going for it. Yep. No doubt about it. Last topic, uh, the Packers stink. Oh man, they stink. They just, uh, you know, what Aaron Rodgers had three interceptions. Um, yep. And they were the bad. Game. I mean, bad. I, I've watched, a lot of Packer games this year, and I've seen games where his receivers didn't make plays. They dropped passes. They didn't get open. And I thought Rodgers was doing everything he could, and his team was letting him down. Yesterday, he threw the worst passes of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think um, – w- w- so the question is, is where is that coming from? Is that just a natural decline at this age in skill level? Is that a frustration with – where the offense is and the lack of weapons is it all of the above i do not know but um it 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 really it just really looks bad like all the way around um the decision to part with Devonte adams the all you know ba- you know and which of which maybe aaron Rodgers is a little bit culpable for given the money that he was commanding in the salary cap um yep. you know uh, this sort of kind of off season of 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 detachment from Aaron Rodgers and hallucinogenics um, hallucinogenics you know you look at both he and Brady for vastly different reasons but they both just do not seem to have the same level of command the same level of performance um and then i think that when that happens it's a lot harder to deal with your bs you know um you can deal with Aaron Rodgers bs when he's slinging it all over the field and he's throwing 35 touchdowns and three interceptions. Like you just like, hey, this is there's part of there. There's part of a rod you got to deal with the ayahuasca, the, all, all that stuff. And you'll happily deal with that when you, when you're playing like he is, when you're when you're really struggling, like Tom Brady is like getting cursed out on the sidelines by Brady. All of a sudden isn't as fun as it used to be, um, you know, looking at um, Aaron Rodgers and watching him sort of uh throw his hands up in frustration because a receiver isn't open or because the a block didn't get picked up. That's not as fun as it used to be. And so I think you're seeing two quarterbacks who are sort of losing their grip on the, the, the elite command that they had of their respective teams. And both teams are struggling for it. The Packers clearly even more than the bucks, because I think the, the, the bucks have more talent around their around Brady than than the Packers do but man they it went from really good to really bad very very quickly in Green Bay no doubt about it uh, thanks to John thanks to Brandon thank you for listening again subscribe to your favorite podcast app you can also check out Jeff Diamond uh, the former Vikings general manager his show on this network and you can hear John on the John Krasinski show where we talk about the Timberwolves and the NBA once again thanks for listening to talknorth.com